Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg, and today uh, you might see that something's a little bit different. Uh, quite literally, uh, I'm now doing this as a video uh, podcast. So obviously, if you're listening on iTunes or Google Play or SoundCloud, even you're not really getting uh, the joke here. But if you've been listening to my stuff on YouTube and you've been watching the videos, you know it's just a static image I've been putting up. And I kind of wanted to get out there, you know, and be able to share what I've been saying and be a little more animated because that's how I am in real life, and, and it helps me to uh, to get my point across sometimes, I think. So uh, on this podcast today, we're going to be talking about a couple things. Um, most notably, the main story is going to be uh, the recent news about an Overwatch uh, League player professional, uh, so the pro player for Overwatch, getting banned uh, temporarily by Blizzard. Uh, we're going to be talking about the my impressions of the Labo, which they talked about last week was Nintendo's touted new way to play. Uh, we're going to be covering the fact that John Cena is in negotiations to play Duke Nukem in a Duke Nukem movie. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about former PlayStation and Xbox executive Phil Harrison now being with Google. So let's just hit the ground running right away. Let's get to the most important one. This is the one that everyone's waiting for to hear. Uh, and that's the Overwatch League Pro being suspended so uh his name's felix felix lengiel i think aka xqc so we're just gonna call him felix because i don't know i've always had an issue with like the the tags and the usernames being so weird and we're trying to have like this professional kind of sport and, and it's always been strange to me how they have these weird names that we're all supposed to like buy into you know and i know it's part of their persona and part of their you know, that's kind of what, um, in, in like other professional sports, like football, basketball, you have a number. So you have like a Jersey, you have a way to identify yourself uniquely on your team while in like Overwatch and other esports, you don't really have that. So that's why there's this sort of, and it ties in obviously to the fact that we were all, you know, anonymous on the internet with handles and, and, and that kind of eighties, nineties hacker culture and everything like that. Uh, you know, the, the freak culture and stuff like that. So anyway, uh, the story is that uh, Felix, uh, so he's a pro for the team, the Dallas Fuel. Uh, he's been fined $2,000 and suspended for four games by the Overwatch League. On top of that, uh, the team itself, the Dallas Fuel, has also suspended him for the remainder of Stage 1. Now, when I first read that, I didn't understand. I'm not much of an esports follower. So what that means is... Um, it's the date on it, I guess, is February 10th, and Overwatch League plays four five-week stages for a total of 40 matches a season. So basically suspended for a quarter of the... Um, they play four five-week stages, so about a quarter since he got suspended to the end of a stage, if you want to think of it that way. Uh, so... <laughs> The, the league kind of glossed over specifically what was said, and I'm going to have to dance around it, you know, do my do my typical dance around uh, move here to keep this podcast PG. But basically, the uh, he he said, <clears throat> um, I guess the story is basically that another player, Austin Wilmot, who is known as Muma, Mama, Muma. So Austin, apparently, after a match was over where his team just crushed Felix's team, and although Felix was not playing in that match... After they beat their team, he basically parodied one of Felix's catchphrases. So he said something, uh, you know, it was kind of like, I guess you don't, I mean, to me, it's not an insult necessarily, but it was poking. Like it was, it was to razz him up. And this is something that sports players do all the time, get in people's heads, make them make mistakes. Now you could argue that this was actually quite effective because it worked. Uh, after hearing that while on a live stream, Felix then 
makes a comment and he later tells the uh, he makes a comment directed towards Austin after he's kind of talking about the story about how he got taunted and he goes shut your effing mouth go back there suck a fat I mean you would like it so that's what he says so he's telling him to shut his mouth to go back there and suck something and then he says I mean he would like it and the reason that's an issue more so than it already is, is because that player, Austin, is openly gay. So not only did he make a reference, which is honestly, I think even in, in, in professional sports like football, basketball, baseball, you have a lot of language like that, right? So it's always been kind of known as a boys club. <clears throat> it's always been kind of known as a boys club or it's known as, you know, <clears throat> these are the sort of things people say. It's a locker room talk, all that sort of thing. As we even ran into uh, last year, um, well, previous year before last, now, technically since it's 2018, when it came to even our presidential election here in the United States, where there were certain things said uh, that the president had said before he was president that people were brushing off as, oh, that's locker room talk. Stuff like that. So it's a phrase that we've heard a lot. And it, it is true to an extent. Does it mean it right? Uh, no, it doesn't mean it's right at all. But it certainly does exist, right? So, uh, so he said it. However, he actively directed it towards a player that was gay. So... <laughs> And you can see there's actually a video of it happening, obviously, because it was on a live stream. And I, I watched the clip of it, and you can see instantly, after he says it, instant regret. It reminded me a lot of when PewDiePie made the N-word comment on stream. As soon as he said it, you saw like his brain go, stop. But it was already too late. Like you had, They had this look of, oh, crap i shouldn't have done that and so this is all this stuff going on you know and it's just like ah you know and, and you can see his brain kind of melt down after he says it and he instantly kind of goes into like i mean you, you know it just, you just don't do that you know about the him being taunted by the other player and so uh i think the um i think the reaction is is fine i, I actually do i i think that the way that the league came out and said look we got to squash stuff like this we have to make an example out of somebody uh, no questions asked. We have to do it. You can't let this sort of thing get mainstream, especially when you're trying to, um, there's a couple angles to this, I think, especially when you're trying to get as inclusive as possible. So you want people of all races, which, uh, I, I think you could argue that a lot of esports players are not like white males. You know, I, I don't think that that's like some gross majority, like you run into in a lot of other sports and, and, and things in the business world. I don't think you have that here. I think you have quite a lot of diversity. So they don't want to ever lose that. The diversity is kind of what makes this work. But you've also got, you know, the younger generation that's more accepting of of gay people and trans people and all these things. So you you need to like all the people that accept these things, you can't have players that are that are making comments like this. And, and you don't want to like turn anybody off to your product. I guess, you know, and, and that's uh, why I think there was such an issue with everything going on in the NFL as well was the, you know, the kneeling was causing some people to want to turn off the TV, um, not necessarily because of the kneeling. It was more because they didn't want the politics brought into their to their, you know, what they would consider their free time or their their happy place, you know, that that Sunday where they watch football. And, and so, you know, that's why the NFL had to make moves on that, but also had to be careful of their players. In this instance, I don't think they have to be careful of their players. I think there's enough people out there that could be pro players that you don't need this guy specifically. And he's lucky, I think, that they didn't do a permanent ban, uh, especially off the team. Obviously, he's got skills and that's why they want to keep him. But I could see that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm almost kind of surprised they didn't make that really, really just super harsh punishment, uh, punishment on this first one. 
so then the team, the Dallas Fuel, they also came out with a statement. So they said, we support the Overwatch League's recent decision to suspend Felix. In addition to the league's four-game suspension, we will be suspending for the remainder of Stage 1. We believe in working with our players to help them become the best possible competitors, professionals, and teammates. That includes work both inside and outside of competition for Felix. During his suspension, we will be offering additional resources, focus coaching, physical training, and support to Felix to help him improve as a professional player who is reflective of the principles of the Dallas Fuel organization, his teammates, and the Overwatch League. No one wants to see Felix succeed more than we do. It is our hope that he can return to the team with the passion, competitiveness, and focus that it takes to play in the Overwatch League. Well, first of all, I have to give the Dallas Fuel a lot of credit because they've clearly hired a very good PR person. <laughs> so like like a real NFL team or like a real NBA team, this is spun the best way they could. So let's kind of break down this comment. So, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're walking the line, but they have to. You know, they, they want to keep their player. They don't feel it was a grievous enough offense where he should be completely banned. But they know they have to do something, and they can't come out on the bad on, on the wrong side of this. So the team suspends them a little bit longer, which I think is fair. I think this was actually kind of a perfect suspension and a length of time. You know, not it's not going to totally destroy him or anything like that. You know, it but it, it it sends a message that you can't act like this, and I think that's very good. Uh, this I found interesting. We will be offering additional resources, focus coaching. Uh, so I guess that means that like the coach is going to talk directly more to him as opposed to like a group setting uh physical training um i don't i don't know if they mean like physical physical training like they're gonna make them go outside and run around or if they're talking about how they're gonna like in in-house physically train people through like seminars and um you know sort of like uh you know, when when you get caught drunk driving, you have to go to like meet. You have to go to like uh, classes. Uh, you know, maybe something like that. Like by physical, maybe they actually mean like in house. They have to actually take care of something, uh, and support physical training and support to Felix to help him improve as a professional player who's reflective of the principles of the Dallas Fuel organization. So I think that's a fair statement. They're coming out and saying, you know what, he's still on the team. We're partly responsible because he's a, he's a part of our group, but. You know, we're going to work with him as best we can. And then when they offer all these things and say this happens again, then that's when they're going to finally have issue to be like, you know what? He's out of here. We just we just can't do it. Now, I think the more interesting part about this article, though, or, or I should say the thought that goes into uh, the, the controversy of this article is why somebody is like that. And I'm certainly not going to lump all gamers in together, but it's different, I think, because you are accustomed to the culture that you were brought up in. So, you know, a lot of NFL players and a lot of NBA players, there's a lot of issues there because they're brought up through a system to make them the best they can be. And oftentimes you have a lot of people that are very good talent wise, um, aren't, some aren't very intelligent. Some can't even cook for themselves. Some still live like with their parents uh, or have their parents live with them and cook for them and things because they're very, very, very good at football, not very good at life skills because they've spent so much time focusing on the other things which were you know strength training and 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 like working on the their craft so imagine now for a second the the culture that a lot of these younger people are being brought up in and i i mean i'm in my 30s and, and i certainly grew up like i i remember what it was like before the internet and i know what it's now like post internet like i grew up through the internet um and I grew up through the anonymous age, I like to call it, which is basically when you're online, you can be anybody you want. You can lie about who you are. You can pretend to be who you want. You make a handle that is that is your persona. 
and that's who you get to be when you're online. So imagine, you know, you've been playing games like this, you've been playing games your whole life, and you've always been anonymous, you can say whatever you want without repercussions. Again, not saying it's right, but you can say whatever you want without repercussions, all these things going on. And then finally, you get in a situation where someone's going to hold you accountable. It, there's going to be some, I guess some growing pains would be the nice way to say it. But it, it is really interesting to know if this is going to happen again. Because with this anonymous culture where we're used to being able to say whatever we want, whatever we want, like you, like truly what's in your core, you know, or, or playing to the people too. Like that's the other side of this is a lot of these fans, you know, people like the bad guy, you know, people like the guy who speaks his mind. Again, look at our current president. People like the fact that, you know, people will say what they want, what's on their mind. And so now you've got a player that's doing that but goes against other players. So it's it's really interesting stuff, I think. Now, if, if you had something like this, um, it's happened in pro sports before. Uh, both baseball and football have banned players for using speech like this. I know every year the NFL tightens up on certain words you can and cannot say. You'll see someone get flagged on the field, uh, you know, because for taunting or for something else when it's like a verbal infraction. And so I think that's an interesting part of this. Now, again, does it excuse anything? Absolutely not. I mean, of course, uh, Felix needs to take a break from this. He needs to learn from this. Uh, but you know what? He's a young kid who says stupid stuff. And yes, he needs to get better at that. And I think he will. I, I hope this is like the lesson he needed, but not just for him. This is a lesson that everybody needs to learn. This is the sort of lesson that... It's not just for him. It's for any potentials down the road that are going to, you know, that are going to think that maybe they can get away with that and they can't. And the big thing is this didn't even happen during the match. This was like a, a personal time thing. And, and I think that's also good because they have a certain amount of behavior that is expected of them. And I think that's really fair to have that expectation. And I don't think that anything really much more is going to come of this. Uh, except that hopefully it just prevents the next person from trying something like this. You know, that's really, in my opinion, what it comes down to. I don't want to deal with, you know, I don't want to deal with every other week having to do a story about this other pro got banned for saying this, you know, but it's a sport. It's a professional sport. You have to cater to your audience. And as, like I said, especially a lot of the audience of esports are very, very tolerable of, um, you know, or I should say they're, they're, they're tolerable of a lot of social aspects in life, whether it's race, you know, gender, or if it's your sexual affiliation, you know, so a lot of those things aren't okay with the fans that are watching. And uh, lastly, I, I want to say, it looks like this isn't the first time this has happened with him. Like he's been suspended before, or he's been like blocked before for other infractions. So again, You'd like to think he's going to learn from this one, but I guess we won't know. And uh, and we won't know until we see it. But now we're cutting into money. It's a little bit different when you know you ban somebody temporarily and it's from a game. Now he's a professional. And if he's worried about losing sponsorships, he's worried about losing his spot on the team, that sort of stuff will shape you up real quick, I think. And and I really hope I hope he does. And I hope, I hope he learns from it. I just hope he learns also to not be so stupid and impulsive. Like, obviously, you want him to learn not to say stuff like that. But also some things you have to learn as you get older are you don't say everything that comes to your mind. You know, you, you have to let your mind block things first and then not to be so impulsive and not to be so like pandering to your fans because there are going to be fans that are going to want to push him into doing more stuff like that. And there's going to be people who go, I like him because he'll say stuff like that. But that's the vocal minority. You got to push those guys aside. Th those people aren't your 
those aren't the majority of your fans. The majority of your fans, you know, I think the majority of people in general don't want that in their game. You know, uh, they, they just want to watch someone who's really talented play a game and have fun with it. Um, so moving on then from that story, uh, the next thing I want to talk a little bit about was the Nintendo Labo. So last week, Nintendo, they'd kind of been teasing that they were going to do another video. It kind of came out of nowhere again, like Nintendo's been doing again. And they said it's going to be a new way to play. And of course... That's, that's a little different than saying we're going to talk about a new game. Like, when you talk about a new way to play, is it, okay, so it's a new controller? It's a, it's a new thing? You start to question, oh, is it VR? Maybe Nintendo's finally going to jump on, you know, post-Virtual Boy VR. <laughs> uh, and we'll see what happens, right? So, the announcement comes down. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't get to watch the video right when it came out because I was working that day. And uh, Mikhail and I were working. And then once it slowed down a little bit, we're like, oh, let's check out the new Nintendo announcement. And I went on to Twitter, and it took me five or ten minutes to be able to find the original video. All I was sifting through was, the whole time was, this is stupid, th this is the dumbest thing ever, look at the jokes, look at the memes. I couldn't even get to what was real and what was not. You know, and you see like a video of a cardboard like creature walking, and I, oh, this can't be real. So, you, so I finally got to the core video, and I watch it. And I'll be totally honest, my first impression when I saw the Labo was it was really stupid. I looked at it and I thought, this is mental, this doesn't make any sense, and I don't get it, right? And so that's what I said, and that's how I felt, and that's how I still kind of feel. However, I also understand that the Labo wasn't designed for me. The Labo was designed for a different customer, and I think it's fair to say when, the, the, first of all, when a product is made, not everything has to be for you, because they've been working very hard to make plenty of products for me. You know, we've got things like Doom and Skyrim on the Switch, we've got tons of other stuff that caters directly to me as a consumer so i can't be mad because they're releasing something that might be aimed at a different consumer so I, I i have no problem with it i personally don't care if they make it and i don't care if people buy it like i always if it makes you happy it makes you happy have fun with it i don't care but i think uh there are a couple things that i think are strange about it so the first one being that it's made out of cardboard. And I know that's like the whole gimmick, right? And and Nintendo's definitely going for some positive press here by using recycled cardboard, using recycled materials. Um, but I don't see how that's going to be durable enough, especially for kids. Clearly, they're aiming this device at like kids and parents. And there are other devices. Jordan made a great comment about this on the podcast last night on the Dropcast. Uh, but he basically said, you know, this is... This is in the same price range as other devices that are similar because there there is a market for like this DIY do it yourself build a kit. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, there were like you would get like um like a, a sheet of these dinosaur bones you would punch out. Uh, they were made out of wood actually, like a really thin wood. Uh, but you would like punch them out and then you'd make like a dinosaur skeleton out of it. You know, like these do it yourself kits are cool and and they are fun and and people do like them. Uh, so I do see that and I do see it being a family activity. You know, I do see a lot of like parents getting into something like this. So there is positivity around this like i understand the idea uh the cardboard i think is an issue also a lot of the way the, the the stuff works is with rubber bands so that's how they kind of generate torsion uh torque and like tension is by using rubber bands so rubber bands and cardboard um i, I don't know i'm not i'm not very hopeful of of the durability of these items especially with kids now yes are certain kids really careful and they'll take care of it yes and i think you can also argue when a child builds something it becomes theirs. They have a little bit more 
care for that item than they would if it was just something that was bought for them and given to them. You know, there, there is a sense of accomplishment and pride of ownership, I think, when you build something yourself. I really do believe that. Um, but I used to build stuff with Legos and then break them. So I, I don't I don't know. So maybe I'm not the best judge of character with that. But uh, so I understand where they're going for. And, and here's the real deal when it comes down to this. Nintendo is doing really well right now. The Switch is bigger than they ever imagined it could be. And they're going to take chances. And that's okay. If if the Switch had not sold as well as it did, I am guarantee you we would not see the Labo rollout right now. Clearly, it's something they've been working on for a while. This is something they've had in their back pocket since the inception of the Switch. But you can also tell that it was something, coming out a year later, you can tell it was something that they were... They were on the fence about, you know, if the Switch was okay, it had an okay install base, they weren't going to release it. But since the Switch is so successful, in fact, it had, I think the, uh, I think what they're arguing right now or the articles are saying in the first year, it's technically the best console launch ever in one year. So uh, congratulations to them. They're having an incredible year. And I think it also proved that Nintendo or, or Nintendo proved, I should say to everybody, that you can launch a console out of the holiday cycle and still crush a home run. And that's what they did with the Switch. They released it last March and it, it had plenty of time to build a library and to build stock in stores right before the big holiday push. And so I think that's good because now we can see other retailers or excuse me, other console manufacturers not feeling locked in by that holiday sales time. They know that they can release it outside of other systems, outside of a system lifecycle, and still find their customers and still find their niche. Uh, so good for them. Um, so I'm glad that Nintendo was able to prove that just like they did, um, you know, just like they have been all year. Uh, the other issue I really see with the Labo, though, is I'm kind of concerned because I feel like, and even though I just got done arguing that Nintendo proved that you can sell a console outside of Christmas, I'm not convinced that this is the sort of product that wouldn't do better around Christmas time. So this might be something that, you know, e even around summertime when people are going outside and doing more things, maybe, but I don't see the spring release for this. I would have liked to see them build up a nice software library, have four or five Labo kits, and then release them all around the same time right before Christmas. Uh, again, you'd have quantity issues, but I think that could be the hot new toy of that year. So we'll kind of see. Um, my take on the Nintendo Labo, I think it will sell okay. I don't think it's going to be groundbreaking, and I think it'll be forgotten within a year. I just think so. I think by next March, we'll be talking about, oh, you know, the Labo was cool, but they're not really making any more Labo stuff. It was kind of a neat thing. You know, they came out with three or four kits, and that's it. Um, originally, uh, IGN France had had an interview with one of the, um, with someone at Nintendo who, and then they said, oh, what's cool is you can actually print off Labo instructions and use your own cardboard. And everyone was like, oh, okay, now that's pretty cool. You still have to buy the game, but the kits are cool. Well, later IGN France actually had to retract that because it was corrected and that is incorrect. You have to buy the cardboard and you have to buy the kits from Nintendo. And so that's what my worry is. Are they going to offer replacement parts like what if you know you've got the robot and your arm gets crushed you, you sit on it well can we can you print off just a new arm or print off the design so you can cut out a new piece of cardboard uh, I think that should be something that's allowed and maybe Nintendo will down the road but as of right now they're just offering it through their purchasable packages so I guess the good it is recyclable it is a unique idea I do always commend Nintendo for trying to 
go above and beyond. They're always trying to think outside the box. And I do, I do appreciate that because I've always said this. I don't want another PlayStation and Xbox. I already have each of those. I don't want another system that's just going to do what those systems already do. And so Nintendo's always the wild card. And they're always going to try something unique. The Switch is a great example of that. And I think we're going to see that now with the Labo. They're going to take chances on things. And they're going to see where a lot of these ideas land and to see if they do and, and remember nintendo was a toy company first and foremost and uh well they were a trading card uh, card company but you know they've always been into toys and stuff like that before necessarily being a video game company so this is kind of right up their alley uh so i, I don't know I'm, I'm personally not gonna buy it uh i don't know i, I guess i I'm, I'm interested by it i want to check it out like i'd love to demo it sometime but certainly not gonna plunk any money down and then make myself a robot suit and then play the switch with it that's just not my jam but definitely there are a lot of kids, and I think a lot of parents that would like to do that with their kids. Um, so moving on from the Labo, uh, the next thing I want to talk about was John Cena in negotiations to star in a Duke Nukem movie. This one sucks. Um, this is so stupid. Um, I, get, I mean, first of all, why do we have a Duke Nukem movie at this point? I mean, if this was Uwe Boll, I'd be like, you know what? This dude makes movies off weird properties that he got cheap. Fine. Why now is a Duke Nukem movie being considered and greenlit? Uh, I, I don't get it. Now, the only way a movie like this gets made, if a name like this is attached to it, I will say that. Th this movie will not get made before any sort of casting decisions are signed on. So the story is... Uh, the Hollywood Reporter is reporting that John Cena is in talks to star as Duke Nukem in an upcoming film adaptation of the 90s FPS franchise. Except it also did come out with Duke Nukem Forever. And uh, so it's not like it's from the 90s only. I mean, we had a Duke Nukem game recently within a couple years, obviously. Um, so, <laughs> so I guess... Well, I always talk about the, the video game movie adaptations on this podcast. This one is particularly stupid, I think. Uh, I don't. I, I think you can make a Duke Nukem movie. You can make it, if, if you make it, here, here's how this movie succeeds. You have to make it like an over-the-top poking fun of movies from the 90s. Like, like that action movie, like the Sylvester Stallone, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Like, that's what you have to, this movie has to almost be making fun of those. But I also think you almost have to make it like the game Matt Hazard. Uh, and if you don't remember that, that was a, it was a PS3, Xbox 360 game, and then later they came out with a sequel that was a down, digital download. But uh, Matt Hazard was actually a game where the character knew he was in a video game. I think this would work if you had Duke Nukem knowing he's in like a video game world and he's just being ridiculous. And then you have all these over-the-top stunts and blowing stuff up, almost throwing a little bit of that... Uh, you know, uh, that kind of, maybe even an 80s vibe to it, you know, like that kind of 80s late night uh, street. But anyway, uh, I, I think that's how you have to make this movie work. It has to be funny. It has to be over the top. It almost has to be so stupid that it's brilliant. I really, I, th I think so. Um, now, we have no idea. There's no script yet or anything, and we won't know until we see a trailer. But obviously, let's get to the John Cena part. So John Cena is in negotiations to star in the Duke Nukem movie. John Cena. Uh, I think that of all people, he's got the build for it, I guess. I mean, he's a big hulking dude. Um, he's got a little bit, he's got the square jaw, you know, like he's got that kind of, I could see it. You know, I could see look wise, I could see it. Uh, attitude wise, acting chops and voice. I don't see it. I don't, I don't see how he could get a, a growly enough kind of 
yeah kind of voice you know i, I don't know and who knows maybe uh maybe he's a really good actor and maybe he has that voice maybe he's been practicing i don't know uh if this movie ends up getting made and he ends up being the star i don't see it being very successful video game movies always have a hard time being successful anyway let alone when it's an older property that isn't currently hot like even a halo movie can't get made you know i mean you, you can't make a movie on halo at the height of its popularity i mean what can you make a game based on uh, a movie based on a game and so uh I, I just don't see it. I, I, I can't see it. However, I'm always the first to admit I couldn't see Ben Affleck as Batman, and I actually had no problem with him in that role. And I certainly couldn't see Heath Ledger as the Joker, and that's one of my favorite cinematic performances of all time. So I definitely... You, you can't judge too quickly, but I know we're talking Ben Affleck and, and talking about Heath Ledger in comparison to someone like John Cena as an actor. I know we're, we're not really comparing the same thing. Now, getting back to what I was saying about The Voice. So this was something interesting I saw on Twitter yesterday. So a petition has been started to save the Duke Nukem film. That's the title of the petition. Uh, and it was even uh, tweeted out and signed by John St. John. And that is actually the original voice actor of Duke Nukem. So he didn't start it. Kyle Krukar started it in the United States. He's petitioning Paramount Pictures and three others. Uh, as of right now, the petition has 505 signatures out of a thousand needed uh, on change.org. So if you see it and you, and you care enough, go ahead and sign it. I don't care enough to sign it. I, I personally, when it comes to stuff like this, I'd almost rather watch the uh, dumpster fire <laughs> than try to put it out. <laughs> um, so here I want to, I want to read the, the petition on change.org. <clears throat> For over 26 years, Duke Nukem has been evolving the first-person genre, and now his legacy is in jeopardy. The studio executives over at Platinum Dunes slash Paramount want to create an abomination cutting out its main voice talent, John St. John, a.k.a. Duke Nukem. They have opted to seek out wrestler or a wrestling star, John Cena, as a live-action stand-in. This development company is known for making some great horror films over an 11-year period, but it is also the platform that created the awful Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film and the upcoming Dora the Explorer film they have had some success with the purge franchise and others but when it comes right down to it duke nukem the movie has only one path it can take and that is cgi by creating a cgi film we can maintain the original voice actor john st john and tell a story that is both comical gory and obscene just the way we like it if you care about the history of the character and want to see a cgi film starring john st john as the moin uh, as the main voice of duke nukem sign this petition tell platinum dunes and paramount no tell michael bay to keep his hands off our balls of steel and if anyone tries to get in our way we will rip their heads off and s down their necks hail to the king baby hashtag fight for duke hashtag hail to the king baby <laughs> hashtag who cares <laughs> that's my own personal one i threw in there uh god i don't know okay so a couple things with this uh this guy is really over glamorizing the duke nukem franchise <laughs> so uh i'm happy i mean i don't think duke nukem forever is a terrible game and right now you can get it used at my store for five bucks so for five dollars i think it's absolutely worth playing but it's not some like hidden gem you know it's not some amazing must-have game it's not a metal gear where it's like oh let's save a metal gear movie because they're gonna cast charlie sheen or something it's it's not metal gear okay it's duke nukem at the in, in the 90s it was at the height of its popularity i think playstation 1 had three games released for it pc had you know countless games and expansions and okay and it was hot 
and then Duke Nukem Forever was in development almost literally forever and and that's it and then the franchise died a slow death uh they were able to bring it back with the help of uh gearbox uh buying the rights to the game from 3d realms so it was you know they they kind of brought it back to life like that uh but it's it was never so huge that it was deserving. I mean, in the 90s, you could have easily made a Duke Nukem movie, and it would have done okay. It would have done as well as the Mortal Kombat movie did. It would have done as well as, you know, any video game movie, the Tomb Raider movie. I mean, it would have done as well as any of those did. Uh, but it now... <laughs> I just don't see it. And I don't know if maybe it's a passion project for John Cena. Like, maybe he went in there and was talking to his agent and said get me the part i'll get that movie made i love duke nukem i also doubt that but uh yes so you know th this is kind of what it comes down to i think uh, a cgi movie is the worst route it could take i think it would look cheesy and terrible without having to spend so much money to make it i mean the world of warcraft movie or excuse me the warcraft movie i actually thought was decent and the cg was incredible but they spent so much money on making that movie. Those effects cost a ton. So you're never going to get a budget like that. Your best chance for a budget is a indie film. Now, I mean, you could do something like a Netflix series or, or not even a Netflix series, a YouTube series. You know, do some shorts or something like that. But I understand their concern. They want the original voice actor. But if, you, if you've ever seen John St. John, he's not quite, um, you know... <laughs> fit enough to be duke nukem you know uh he drinks a lot uh he tries to live i think the duke nukem lifestyle he goes to a lot of conventions he's really an approachable dude but uh yeah you know <laughs> it's just i don't know he's, he's john st john man he, he's a voice he's, he's got a what do they say he's got a voice he's got he's got a face for radio is what they would say you know he's got a face for voice acting as they would say uh you know uh, so i think cgi is really bad um I hope I, I hope they make the movie. I know it sounds really stupid. Um, I hope they make it. I hope someone spends a bunch of money on it who doesn't know anything about movies, and then they learn a very harsh lesson about not just turning any video game into a movie. Uh, if it comes out, I'll go see it day one. I see every, I go and watch every video game movie because I consider it an occupational obligation. Not only the podcast here, because this isn't really my job. I do this for fun. But you know, working where I work, people have an expectation that I will understand and know everything video game related. So uh, yes, I do these sort of things for you guys, uh, my customers and my friends. So yeah, Duke Nukem um, might be coming back in movie form starring John Cena. Crazy. And then lastly, I wanted to talk about, and this is going to be a short one because there's not a whole lot to say about this guy, but this is somebody who I really don't like in the industry as far as the quality of his work. So uh, he's a former PlayStation and Xbox executive. His name is Phil Harrison, uh, and he is going to Google. So he, uh, he, his resume is he worked at 15 years of the head of Sony's network of game studios, as well as three years as a senior member of Microsoft's Xbox team. Uh, and so, uh, recently he's been working at companies, including Gaikai, which was the, um, like the streaming service, uh, and then, which, which I believe Sony bought, uh, that had to do with like their streaming games and then Atari. So he worked at Atari, which you guys all know my feelings on Atari, recent Atari, I should say. Um, <laughs> so he's, he, he's, this is a quote from Harrison. I'm excited to be able to share that today I've started a new role as vice president and GM of Google and relocating back to California. He was based in California in the late 90s, in the late 90s with his time with Sony. Uh, so here's what I remember about this guy. Um, 
I remember that he was in charge of the terrible launch of the PS3. So basically, he helped shape the PlayStation 3 into basically this all-in-one device, right? And you're about to see a common theme. Uh, he uh, he was the one who said, oh, you know what, let's, let's make a PlayStation, but it's not, it's not just a home gaming console. No, no, it's, it's an everything console. It, it plays all your media. It does all this. Like, this is not, and let's not market it as a game console. Let's jack the price up to, God knows, $600 because people will pay it because this is an all-in-one home electronic device. He was a lot behind a lot of the style and the push with that. Uh, which, as you know, the PlayStation 3 came out as an overpriced system. Was not was was a great system. I love the PS3. Don't get me wrong, but like it was six hundred dollars when the Xbox came out at four hundred dollars. I mean that's bonkers. And uh, so it, it crushed uh, it crushed them. Uh, and they had to cut the, cut the price on the PS3 to get it down and down. They cut out backwards compatibility. They made a slim model of the PS3 eventually to kind of make a, a cheaper version that could eventually compete with the xbox 360 and eventually over time worldwide the playstation did beat the xbox 360 in total sales but it took quite a bit of time and starting a year after the xbox 360 and starting the way they did it's actually more impressive that they passed them by the end just knowing how rough the start was and uh, so he, he had a lot to do with that now fast forward a couple years the xbox one is launching now the name itself is xbox one the idea behind that was it's one one device to run your devices in your house, the Xbox One. So it's not just a video game console. It's a home entertainment device. You can play your media. You can do all this other stuff. It's the one device you need in your house, the Xbox One. You can run your cable box through it, one device. Phil Harrison behind that one too. So you can see a pattern here. Like he, he has grand ideas. And I'm not saying he was the only one responsible for the Xbox, but he he was helping launch the Xbox One, and it had the same issues that it had with the that that had with the um, PS3 launch. They also force bundled in the Kinect uh, sensor, and the system was a hundred dollars more. So these are the sort of things that you want to bury and give yourself a late start. That's what's going to happen. Now you could argue that right now Microsoft isn't doing a whole lot to win back their 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 fans on just the xbox side um because nothing's really exclusive to the xbox anymore really i think the best way to go is to have a pc and to have a ps4 because nothing's exclusive to xbox one anymore it always comes to pc so you don't really need an xbox anymore you can do you can use your xbox controllers on your pc and and, and that should get you by i mean i think really a ps4 for console gaming exclusive uh, exclusives and then switching to the uh, pc for all of those um xbox games you'd want to play is pretty much going to be the way to go but uh that same sort of style though you know he had that same sort of he put his his twist on it and his twist was this all-inclusive all-amazing all-device cost doesn't matter as much as features and i think we're learning that that's certainly not true and i think especially in this current economy which is much better than it was when the ps3 and the xbox 360 launched it was really starting to it was starting to tank when the ps3 came out and it really tanked its hardest in 2008 in the middle of those consoles but uh you know it was a big it was a big deal uh so obviously google's getting more interested in games it's got a mobile platform for android as well as browser games played through its search page uh there's a google the, uh, google hosts a developer day at gdc like the, google's trying to break into the game market and that's clearly what uh, what phil's doing here is to help them with that and the guy's got experience and i guess if you have a company like google that can sustain losses if you're gonna if you're gonna do something like that he might be the right person to uh to at least inform them of how it's gonna go personally i don't have a lot of uh faith in him 
he just kind of seems like one of those guys that uh, everywhere you go, everything he touches just doesn't work out and it kind of sucks. So uh, anyway, that is the podcast for today. Uh, That's all I had for you guys. Um, So as far as a game recommendation, I'm going to kind of turn here because now you can kind of see all my games, which is kind of cool. So it's a little bit easier than last week when I was recording the podcast. I literally had everything blocking my games. I couldn't see them. So I'm going to talk about, oh, let's see. Let's see. I'm going to talk about Mutant League Hockey. So I'm actually going to bring it up here. So Mutant League Hockey, um, this is this is probably my favorite sports game of all time. It's essentially the sequel to Mutant League Football, except that it's not football. <laughs> it's, it's hockey. Uh, but Mutant League Hockey um, did everything that football did, but did it better and smoother. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's playing hockey, obviously, but you can, you can kill all the other players you play. There's hazards, you know, that you can bribe the refs still. Just a really fun sports game. And then you throw that kind of monster twist on it, and then, and it's hockey. And it was running off of like the NHL engine, which was another great engine, especially in like the early to mid '90s that uh, that uh, EA had going on. So just like Mutant League Football, that ran off the Madden engine, this one ran off the NHL engine, and it was just awesome. Just a great game. Highly recommend it. Go out and play it. It's up to four players if you have a multi-tap, and just get in there and just murder people. It's just it's just really fun. And hockey, I think, flows a little bit better than football does because football you're constantly stopping for plays and for everything else. Hockey is just a much more continuous sport, and so it's a little more fun, I think, especially multiplayer because your everyone's roles can be equal. So it's pretty good. Um, as always, I really, really appreciate you guys watching and listening. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, right down here somewhere is uh, somewhere down here is our subscribe button. You know, if you could mash that subscribe button, you know, like us, share us, anything you can do, we really appreciate it. We are trying to make great content every single day for you, and we all do this in our spare time for fun. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes or SoundCloud or Google Play, that's awesome too. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate that. If you get a chance, head over to YouTube, search for the drop rate, look for our red, uh, excuse me, our yellow and gray logo, or you can go to droprate.life and that'll take you right to our channel and you can subscribe. Um, I, I want to talk, I, I didn't really want to talk about this because it's been so played out and, and killed before I got a chance to, but recently there was a YouTube, a change in YouTube monetization. And it's not like it's all about the money for us or anything right now, but that's eventually where we want to take this. And so we were we have enough watch time because our videos do really well view wise and watch time but we only have about 630 subscribers and and uh so we need a thousand subscribers in order to get monetized now and we have to hit that by february 20th now i don't think we're going to hit a thousand by february 20th we're going to get um deactivated from monetization but hopefully when we get to a thousand then you know we'll be able to get back up to that so we're just pushing a little bit harder to try to get people to subscribe um you know, we just really appreciate, honestly, any of the support and help and everything. So as always, I appreciate you guys for listening. I hope everyone has a great day and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye.